the table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds are comforted. And freedom begins. find peace and we laugh till it hurts the table is where we gather with family new and old to share stories to nourish our bodies to enrich our souls the table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts we have been given. How's everybody doing? Y'all doing good? So glad you're here today. Would you keep that going and just welcome all of our campuses. We are one church in many locations. We love you guys at all of those locations. Hey, before we jump in today, I just want to um, speak a little bit about uh, the Preacher King, which we just came through. I just want to thank you once again for, uh, man, you guys have been amazing. I, I never... I kind of had a feeling that it would be this way, but you just blessed me as you have just uh, encouraged and uh, let me know that you are all into building a church that fully represents God's created order. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> and some of you have been asking about the series and just want to let you know that we, uh, we've stocked up the resource centers. At all of our campuses, you can get CD packets of the entire uh, series if you would like to have that as well. I uh, want to also just thank uh, Pastor George Franco and all the campus pastors who've leaned in today at all of our campuses to encourage us as the people of God to be faithful with our finances during the summertime. I don't know if you know that. Let me take you into the preacher world. I don't know if you know this or not, but pastors all over America right now are feeling two things. They're excited that it's summertime. And they're dreading that it's summertime because what happens is people scatter in the summer and their giving tends to go on vacation with them. And I just believe New Hope Church is better than that. Amen. And I just want to let you know online giving is where it's at. That's how my wife and I tithe to this church and it is where it is at. Online giving is the way to go. Hey, one last thing. Thought you might like to know where we're going this summer. Are you interested in knowing what we're going to be covering this summer? All right, so today, as you know, we're coming to the table of the Lord. I'll talk about that in just a moment. Next Sunday is uh, Baptism Sunday. We're going to be uh, preaching the gospel and baptizing believers. You don't want to miss it. It's a big partio, party, partio, big party, which I like actually. Partio, uh, kind of like Delio. It's a partio on the patio. Oh, 
I think I just rebranded our baptism celebrations. Um, that's next Sunday. You don't want to miss it. Then after that, we're going into our summertime sermon series, and it's titled Hot and Heavy. Oh, yes, it is. And we're going to be talking about everything under the sun, relationships. Relationships are messy. Friendships, marriage. Oh, Lord, marriage can be messy. Can I get an amen? We're going to be talking about sex. Hello. Um, we're going to be talking about dating. I mean, it's a relationship series. It's titled Hot and Heavy. You don't want to miss it. And then after that, uh, the series that will wrap the summer up into the latter months of the summer, late July and August, is titled, Jesus Said What? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus Said What? <laughs> no, you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't get enough attitude in it. <laughs> Jesus Said What? Go, do it again one more time. Jesus said, what? <laughs> we're going to be actually, um, we're going to be looking at those sayings in Scripture from Jesus that are just kind of, they're radical. They're, the, the normal person would think they're a little crazy. They're challenging. They're encouraging. And we're just doing a series called Jesus Said What? And we're going to be looking at the, the craziest things that Jesus said. Um, and we're excited about looking at those. Can I get an amen? amen. Open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As you're turning there, let me tell you a little story. <clears throat> a little story. You know, it's summertime. And you might see this. It, kids still do it. I know a lot of things kids are doing these days. Um, they don't do a lot of things of the past. But kids still do this. My friend came upon a Kool-Aid stand, and there, the kids were there selling Kool-Aid, and his name was Carl, my friend, he's passing through there, and he saw the kids at the Kool-Aid stand, and there they were, man, with their hand-scrawled sign, Kool-Aid, 75 cents. Carl, who was an entrepreneur, uh, decided to stop by to support these precious little kids. And so he pulls up to the curb, and uh, one little freckled-faced kid came over there, and he said, it's 75 cents, sir. What would you like, grape or strawberry? Carl said, I'll take grape. So Carl reached into the, to the glove box, if you will, the console, if you will, gave the little kid a dollar. That little kid handed another kid the dollar. That kid started rifling through an old cigar box to get change. Gave him his change while another kid handed him a full cup of grape Kool-Aid. Carl took a sip. It was good. Carl, he just started enjoying that Kool-Aid. But he noticed that the kid stayed by the car. And he thought that was a little weird, but Carl just kept drinking. And finally, the little kid said, hey, mister, are you finished with that Kool-Aid? Carl thought that was a little odd. And Carl said, yeah, I'm about finished. Why do you ask? The kid said, because we only have one cup, and that's how we stay in business. <laughs> hey aren't you glad aren't you glad god god has me come on back come on back aren't you glad god has many cups if you will through which he dispenses his grace and today we gather around the table of the lord and this is one of those Incredible ways in which God set up in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus an anchoring occasion, if you will. A time where God 
will dispense grace in our lives. I don't know if you know this or not, but the word sacrament, it means a means of grace. And so as we gather around this sacrament today, Holy Communion, next Sunday, baptism, as we gather around this table, we remember that Jesus Christ said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take, eat in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins in remembrance of me. And I think as we as a church have come through this series that we've just come through, the preacher king, I mean, think about it, where I talked about family and I talked about what it looks like to be the beautifully multi-ethnic created family of God in the house of God. I think it is really cool that we get to gather today as that family around this table and celebrate Holy Communion. For those of you who might be in the psychological field, you might have heard of what's called the anchoring effect. Many of you heard of this? If you read up on psychology, you might remember it from your college studies. It's called the anchoring effect. And the anchoring effect is the concept that what we experience first or what we hear first has a way of affecting or impacting our belief system or our actions after that. Let me give you an example. How many of you have been to the San Francisco area, north of San Francisco area, and you've actually stood near the ginormous redwoods. Anybody? It's, it's all inspiring. If you haven't and you ever get a chance to do it, let me just encourage you to do it. I've been there. It's incredible. Well, basically, the missions of the San Francisco Exploratorium is designed to ignite curiosity, encouragement, and exploration to change the way we learn. In keeping with their mission, the Exploratorium conducted two research studies. They created two research groups of people, separate groups of people. And they asked them two questions for each group. Here was the question for the first group. Is the height of the highest redwood more or less than 1,200 feet? Got it? Think about that. You can answer in your mind what you think. Is the highest redwood more or less than 1,200 feet? And the second question was this. What is your best guess about the height of the tallest redwood? See how they set those questions up? A second group was asked two questions. They were asked, is the height of the highest redwood more or less than 180 feet? See the difference? The first group was asked more or less than 1,200 feet. The second group was asked more or less than 180 feet. And the second question to the second group was exactly the same. What is your best guess about the height of the tallest redwood? Now check this out. Stick with me. This is absolutely fascinating. The two different heights, 1,200 feet and 180 feet, are called anchors. Everybody say anchors. They're called anchors. And those anchors greatly affected the answers from each of the group. Those who were given the high anchor of 1,200 feet guessed an average height of 844 feet. 844 feet. 
Now check this out. Those who were given the lower anchor of 180 feet guessed an average height of 282 feet. That is a 563 feet difference. A 55% difference is the result of what psychologists call the anchoring effect. Now stick with me. Some of you are like, where is he going? Stick with me. Simply put, we tend to rely too heavily. You do, whether you know it or not. Marketers know this about you, by the way. We tend to rely too heavily on the first fact, the first piece of information, or our first impression. And once we anchor to that first, it becomes the baseline for most of our decisions and the baseline for most of our actions. Now stick with me. I believe, if, if I might steal a phrase from the psychological world, I believe that what Jesus Christ was doing when he set up that first communion is he was offering an anchoring sacrament, an anchoring meal, if you will, an anchoring gathering for us that would impact our behavior, our mindset, our hearts. Because if you know what Paul says in the Bible, Paul says, I passed on to you that which was of first Importance. Do you see it? That Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, broke bread. He said, take, eat. This is my body. Take, drink. This represents the new covenant. My blood that is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. What we gather around today is an anchor for our souls. It, it's an anchor for the church. It keeps us grounded to that which is of the utmost importance. Can I get an amen? amen. So what I want to do, and I'm, I'm going to do this quickly today because I want us to have time to really just slow down and enjoy communion today. I want to teach you what communion is all about. Because here's what I know about probably 90% of you, I don't know, most of you, you have received Holy Communion before. The question I would have for you is, have you ever really fully understood what Holy Communion is about? From a biblical perspective, not from a man's perspective. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look at what the Bible says. And from this small passage, we're going to see the main teachings of the Word of God about this anchoring sacrament. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was, what church? Betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my, help me out, this is my what? Body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the what? Cup, saying this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, now listen closely. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning 
against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you who are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Last few verses. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in what? In judgment. Take out your teaching notes or your Bible app and jot a few notes down about this sacrament that has existed in the church since the days of Jesus Christ. Here's the first one. Holy communion, right in the word, reminds, holy communion reminds us of his sacrifice for us. So when we come to the table today and you take a piece of bread in your hand and a cup in your other hand and you receive it, if you receive it, let it remind you of God's sacrifice for you. Let it remind you of God's never-ending love for you. He loves you. As we looked at last week, God loves you so much. He formed you intricately in your mother's womb. As one person has said, it's not original with me, but I've always loved it. Listen to me. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Isn't that great? Now, some of you just really need to marinate in that for a moment. God loves you. He created you. Moreover, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you. Here's the verse that we get this foundational anchoring point about communion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. 24, out loud with me. Ready? Go. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, this is my body which is broken for you. For who? You. Continue with me. Eat it in remembrance of me. This is my body, which is broken for who? Me, you. Make it personal. Here's the second thing. Write this down. You don't want to miss this. Holy communion represents his body and his blood. It's a piece of bread now, back in Jesus' day, they drank wine. It was a common meal. Once they get together, they'd get together on a regular basis, and here's what they would have for breakfast. Bread and wine. No Cheerios. No Fruit Loops. No, no quiche. No bread and wine, typically. You know what they have for lunch? Bread and wine. You know what they have for dinner? Now, when it got really good, they had sushi. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anybody in here love sushi? Best food on the planet. And I'm from South Carolina, man. I used to fish with that stuff. Now I eat it. I'm just saying. 
bread and wine. So it was a normal time. They would get together. This would be their normal standard meal. Yeah, they had some other things, don't get me wrong. But it was usually bread and wine. And so all of a sudden one night, Jesus said, hey, guys, see this bread? I'm going to the cross for you. And from here on, when you get together, eat in your homes. Don't come, and, don't come to this sacrament to, to be hungry and fill your belly. No, 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 no. But when you come, you take bread. You remember, that represents my body. When you get together and you drink this wine, that represents my blood, which is shed for you. So as you take it today, remember. Remember, let it remind you of what he's done for you. Remember, let it represent the body and the blood of Christ. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. 25. You read the first one so well. Read this out loud with me. Ready? Go. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. Here's the third thing. Oh, my, I love this one. Holy communion is a profession of our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's a what, church? It's a profession. So if you just unpack this a little bit for a moment, when you receive Holy Communion today, again, if you receive it, this becomes a part of your testimony. Like, like when you receive it today, not only are you receiving it for you so, so that it reminds you, not only you, re you receive it and it represents the body and blood of Christ, but you receive it and just in the sheer taking of the bread and drinking of the wine, you are professing your faith in Jesus Christ. You are declaring, kind of like baptism next week. A lot of you here need to get baptized. You are declaring publicly, I believe. And by the way, Jesus said, if you disown me before people on earth, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. But if you profess me, you owe me, you proclaim your relationship with me before people on earth, I will own you, proclaim you, declare you well done, good and faithful servant before my Father who is in heaven. Look at, look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. Ready? Go. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. You are proclaiming and professing your faith today. Again, this is a part of your testimony. So question, do you know what you believe? Do you know in whom you believe? Amen, right? But let me just say this. It's important that we know what we believe. It is really important that we as a church know what we believe. And thankfully, we have the Bible to help us know what we believe. But we also have this thing that I love, and unashamedly, we have this thing. We don't do them a lot around New Hope Church, but we have this thing in the history of the church called creeds. And I want to tell you about a creed that as the early followers of Jesus got together and they started realizing, oh, maybe Jesus is not going to come back in our lifetime and they started seeing people pass away, they realized they needed to formulate their faith and declare and establish based upon the Word of God and based upon what Jesus taught. They had to establish what they believed. And it was in the year of 391 A.D. There was a council. 
It was called the Council of Milan. And there was a guy by the name of St. Ambrose. And St. Ambrose and many other church fathers and, and mothers and leaders of that day gathered around and they, they articulated what many of you, I would imagine, have declared and proclaimed at some point in time in your life known as the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed. And um, some of you might have grown up in churches where when you declared the Apostles' Creed, you thought, oh, this is... It's kind of boring because this is how you and maybe that church declared the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father, <laughs> maker of heaven and earth. <laughs> when we go into lunch, Jesus Christ is only son. No, 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 no. I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to all of our campuses to stand to your feet. Just go ahead and stand up. I want us to put this, this point of application right into play right here and now. And I want us to join a rich history of the church. And I want us to declare robustly, I mean like we really believe it. If you believe it, the Apostles' Creed. This is what we believe. Ready? Go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Now you, New Hope Church, know how to declare a creed. Well done. Let's continue. Who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Come on, church. Praise his name. That, that is what we believe. Amen? Amen? You can be seated. Last thing. Holy communion is a celebration of the eternal feast to come in heaven. Amen is right. It's a what, church? It's a celebration of the eternal feast to come. If you have your Bibles, just go ahead and flip over to the book of Revelation. Not Revelations. Revelation. Revelation 21. I'll get to it in a moment. But notice it says Holy Communion is a what? It's a celebration. And it's a celebration of the reality and the belief and the faith that the child of God has. Listen to me. That this world is not all there is. You ever get a little homesick? Like seriously. You ever, you ever just get tired of this sin-scarred, jacked-up world? 
You ever, you ever feel like you're just never really right at home? Do you, you ever feel like there's this yearning inside of you for something more than this world has to offer? Check it out. God put that in you. That, that's, that's the divine DNA that he has placed inside of your soul. Listen, maybe no one's ever told you this. You weren't made for this world. Your, your life is just a little bleep on the radar screen. Eternity is a long time. And one of my favorite theological, biblical understandings of this anchoring sacrament is that this piece of bread and this fruit of the vine, if you will. Some of you are wondering, he said wine a few times. Is it wine? No, it's grape juice. <laughs> Some of you are like, thank the Lord. Others of you are like, darn. <laughs> but one of the things, <laughs> y'all mess me up sometimes. One of the things that I love theologically about the sacrament of Holy Communion is it actually is a celebration of what is to come. It actually reminds me that one day I'm going to get to the end of my life or one day he's going to return, one of the two. I don't know which one. But I'm going to pass from this world and I'm gonna get to a place where there's no more crying. There's no more tears. There doesn't even have to be a lamp, the Bible says, Revelation, because the Son of God is going to illuminate all of heaven. And I'm going to get to be united with all the saints of old. You're gonna get to see mama again, or your dad or an aunt, or an uncle, or a friend, or Lord forbid, some of you have lost a child. And I see the tears actually starting to flow from some of your faces right now. That is the beauty of the gospel. That is the hope that we profess that there is more to it than what we experience in our 60, 70, 80, 90 years if we're lucky. There's a place called heaven. And again, like I said, some of, you, some of you grew up in churches where the creeds were like boring and you were like, go ahead and, you know, take me out now. Others of you might have had that experience with communion. I know I did. And again, I love all churches. I'm not judging churches. I believe God uses all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Amen? But I remember the first church I went to, first church I was actually discipled in. I love that church. The preachers preached the word of God and the student pastor discipled me one-on-one. -on -one. But it was, the big, it was the big downtown church. I'm talking about all the bells and whistles. It was, everybody wore their suits and it was deep south. They, every, women would wear their hats. They had choir. They had the altar boys. Y'all remember the, the altar boys that was called? Acolytes, acolytes. 
they would carry the light in and go to the altar and light the big candles and the choir had their robes. And I mean, it was high church. And I remember the first time I was 19 years old. I had just become a Christian in a very difficult situation in my life. And I was so excited to receive communion with my church, my first communion. I was so excited. And I remember watching as that old church got up and shuffled down to get communion. I tell you, it was like a dirge. It was like they were going to see a dead corpse instead of a resurrected Christ. And I remember thinking, something's wrong with this picture. Because I had read 1 Corinthians 11. I'd read Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. That this is a celebration of all that God has done in Christ, yes, 2,000 years ago. Follow me here. All that God will do in my life now in 2018. But all that God's going to do in my life when I cross from this world into the next. That, come on now. That's a reason to celebrate. And again, I could tell just there as I started talking about heaven and being united with loved ones, I, I could see it in you that something started to stir. And I want to encourage you to go home later today or in the morning, but I encourage you to do it today before the sun goes down. Read Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters in the Bible. I want to read just four verses from Revelation 21, but here's a snapshot, if you will. Here's just a, a, a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. Read both chapters. They're just all about what heaven is going to be like. It's the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. It's the last two chapters of the last book of the Bible. Here's four verses in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. That's a good place for an amen, church. Amen. Look at verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Amen? That is what is also represented in this table. So we're gonna invite you today to receive a piece of bread and a cup of juice. Listen, everyone's invited. Some of you might have come from traditions where it's a closed table. We serve an open table at New Hope. Every single person, the Bible says, come. Let anyone who desires come to God. You can come, but listen. The Bible says, examine yourselves. Do some soul inventory. Check your heart. Do you believe? If you don't, I want to give you a chance to do that today before you come to this table. 
I believe this table can actually become a converting sacrament where you can receive the piece of bread and the juice and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life right now. Let's pray together. Father, I am um, so grateful for this church family. I'm so grateful for the fact that we get to gather at this table, beautifully diverse, yet all united in who you are and our submission to you, Lord God. Father, thank you that at this table, you remind us of your sacrifice. At this table, we remember what you did for us. At this table, this bread and this juice represents your body and your blood. And at this table, Lord God, we can actually celebrate all that you've done, all that you are doing. And yes, Lord God, with great faith, with great hope, we can celebrate all that you are going to do when we see you face to face. God, I thank you for Holy Communion. I thank you that it is an anchor to our souls. I thank you that it is an anchor for this church. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Lord God, as we receive. May it be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we might be for the world your body redeemed by your blood. Father, for those who believe, let it just be a great encouragement, a great challenge to do some soul inventory right now, to confess sins that might be coming to mind even as I speak. Lord, let us not only confess those, but let us actually repent, turn from those sins and come to the table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and recommit our lives to you. Father, for the person who is here today, maybe they came with a new hope or maybe they saw a sign, maybe they saw us online, whatever the case may be, and they wandered in here today. And maybe, Lord God, they're just not a Christian. They've never had the opportunity or maybe they've never fully understood what this sacrament is about. And if that's you today and you desire to know Christ, you desire to be what Jesus would say in John chapter three, born again, you desire to enter into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And you desire to come forward to this table. We welcome you. And if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you right now, just, just lift your hand up. All heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just lift your hand up. I wanna pray for you. I see you right down front. Praise God, I see you back there. Lift it up high. This is not a rededication. I see you over here, man. Praise God for you. This is not rededication. This is true salvation. You want to receive Christ today. I see you over here, brother, to my far left. I see you in the back. Pray with me. Church, pray with me as we pray for these folks. Father God, thank you for those who've lifted their hands in this moment at this campus and other campuses. They want to receive the gospel good news of Jesus and receive a piece of bread and a cup of juice that represents all that the word of God has spoken about today. If that's you and you lifted your hand a moment ago or maybe, maybe you couldn't quite lift your hand, whatever the case may be, but you want to receive the gospel, won't you pray this prayer with me in your heart? Just say, Lord Jesus, I receive you 
Lord God, I am a sinner and I need you to be my savior. Come into my life today. Take over my life. Send me your Holy Spirit that I might follow you all the days of my life till I pass from this world, Lord God, into what Revelation 21 and 22 declares as the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for saving me. I rejoice in my salvation today. And we pray it all together as a family of God in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said together, amen and amen.